Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Magnet Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. JB, it seems like it's been forever, my man, but we are back together again, reunited. Yeah, man, it really does. I mean, it, it just it, it's crazy how weeks just fly by, but at the same time, it feels like it's been forever. I know, you know, two weeks ago, I had to cancel because I was dealing with COVID, and thank God I got through it, and, you know, it kind of beat me up a little bit, so I wasn't really going to be good radio if I was just coughing on the microphone the entire time. So, yeah, it's been a couple weeks, but we're back, baby. Can't get rid of the magnets. You're stuck on the magnets, and we're stuck on you. Yeah, now, see, the show wouldn't have been that bad if you would have just had to keep muting yourself and just let me take over the show. I don't think that it would have been that terrible. I've actually sat down and I thought about doing like a little solo project. I I don't think that it'll ever come to fruition. Just I get nervous talking to myself, even (laughs) though that seems to be what I did all the time as a kid anyway. (laughs) Hey, man, you're good radio, so I'd listen to it if you did something. Absolutely. don't overestimate me or underestimate your ability to turn off the radio. All right, JP. <laughs> hey, what we're going to do today on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast is take an opportunity to look back. All right, we, we we started this whole Fantasy Magnet Podcast thing, I don't know, at the beginning of football season, maybe even a little bit before that. And we made some bold predictions, so we're going to revisit those bold predictions, look to see which ones we got right, look to see which ones we got wrong. And, and you know me, JB, I couldn't remember if I got any right or not, so I downloaded that podcast and re-listened to it and revisited it and got some stats and everything. And also we had our uh, bold prediction of who would be in the playoffs, who would make the playoffs, and I think we got a couple of those things right especially who we said wouldn't make the playoffs and then what we want to do is look ahead to the 2021 football season this upcoming week 17 week jb uh sound good to you absolutely man i i don't really want to go back on those bold predictions because i kind of whiffed on a few of them you did pretty good on them when i was i did the same thing i went back this afternoon and i listened back to them just to make sure we had them but our playoff predictions are pretty good and like you said we still have a lot of games in week 17 with playoff implications and i know even if people have their fantasy championships in week 16 and have finished their season long leagues there's a lot of people playing dfs or or gearing up for a playoff uh fantasy contest of some sort so there's a lot of games with playoff implications to watch this week and i know that there's a lot of players with fantasy relevance for dfs or whatever so we will go through some of those games with playoff implications and we'll get to that so we'll kind of look back at our bowl predictions and playoff mm-hmm. predictions and then we'll look ahead to what's coming up this week and what should be a fun week 17 okay well i'll let you take the week 17 all right because i just don't have time to fool around with that stuff okay i, I just don't because my eyes are on one game for Week 17, JB, and that's the Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. There's nothing I like more than to start my angst off right in the new year than to look at Aaron Rodgers and just have anger in my eyes. So we will be. I will be glad to talk about those games, but I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't paid any attention to them because whenever I start thinking of Week 17, all I can think about is Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers and how badly I want to beat him this week. I just I because I think the Bears, if they win, they're in. Am I right? If the you, Bears win, they're in. Yes. They get a uh, wild card with a win or with the Cardinals loss. You you have no idea what it does to my blood pressure. You have no idea what it would do to my entire week if I started thinking about that game too early. So I have had to take week 17 and just put it on the back shelf, on the upper burner, turn a fire and a flame to it and hope to recover it by week 17 because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I get so, I, I try not to get emotionally involved into things very much anymore, like things I can't control. But man, I am I am invested in that for some reason. I have no idea. The Bears have taken me on a roller coaster this year, JB, and I I cannot wait to buckle up for that Sunday game. Yeah, and I was thinking about you and my other Bears fan friends when I was looking at this game. And man, don't you wish that the Packers had a, had locked up the one seed and and weren't fighting for a bye? Because that's the problem. The Packers still have a shot at the one seed and the bye, and there's three teams: New Orleans, Green Bay, and Seattle that all have a shot at the bye. 
So the Packers will be actually going out there looking to win the game. And it's not a situation where it's like, ah, eh, we're not playing for anything week 17. You know, let's rest Rodgers. Let's rest Adams. Nope. They're coming out there. And, and it's unfortunate for the Bears that as red hot as they've been, they got to close out with a win against the Packers to make the playoffs. So it's going to be a tough one. It wouldn't matter, Tapey, because it, it, even, if the, even if Green Bay wasn't playing for anything and the Bears had everything on the line, what would end up happening is the Bears may get it to a 35-point lead at halftime, right? And then Aaron Rodgers would go over to Brett Hundley. I don't think he's the backup quarterback. I don't even know who, who the backup quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is for the Green Bay Packers. He'd go up to him at halftime and he'd say, look, kid, you got a knee injury. And the kid would say, I don't have a knee injury, Mr. Rogers. He said, no, you got a knee injury. I'm playing the second <laughs> half, and I'm going out there and sticking it to the Bears. Do you remember that game when the Bears were up like 28, 35, 42 points? It doesn't even matter how much it was. And, and Aaron Rodgers was hurt going into halftime. And then he comes out of halftime, and he just starts zipping the ball around, throwing touchdown after touchdown. And then after he ends up beating the Bears, he's interviewed afterwards and he's got that real smug look on his face man i cannot get that look out of my out of my <laughs> eyes jb I, hey let's look back at 2020 and i also want to talk about one thing um before we get into the back to our uh, our bold predictions you joined a contest that's coming up here for the playoffs uh baby bowl 2021 i guess baby ball baby bowl playoff 2020 i don't know what rob norton is going to call that <laughs> technically but you joined i saw you joined baby bowl 2020 playoff edition that's a lot of words for me <laughs> <laughs> I saw you, though. You jumped into that chat room, which I can't get out of a chat room without you being in there, you know? Uh, <laughs> our boy Cantaloupe, he joined in there, too. There's a lot of other guys that joined into that chat room, so that thing is really red hot right now. Yeah, and actually a lot of our friends that were in the Fantasy Magnets Best Ball League that we did um, are also in the Baby Bowl, jumped in. I know Scott Frankel jumped in. And our friend Michael Steinberg also jumped in, who shout out to him because he was the winner of the Fantasy Magnets Best Ball League. He was the yeah. champion. So shout out to Michael. Michael was also the one who won the Fantasy Magnets hat. He purchased the Fantasy Magnets t-shirt from Viridian Global, which again, you could still check my pinned tweet, get some Fantasy Magnets gear from Viridian, super awesome stuff. But Michael sent a picture to me the other day after he won the Fantasy Magnets League with his Fantasy Magnets shirt and his Fantasy Magnets hat on saying, this is how I celebrate the championship. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. Hey, we got to tell Kingsman. We got to tell Kingsman and all those guys over in the uh, Hunger Bowl thing that we did. We got to tell those guys about the Baby Bowl, too. They may not have uh, heard anything about it. And that was a great place that we were in this yep. year. Yep, I think Hope jumped in Baby Bowl. We were talking about it in our, our uh, group chat that we have, a bunch of us. So I can't guess knows about it. So hopefully he jumps in also. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I'm I'm rethinking that decision of, of even bringing up his name right now. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got the last word. I can't. He can't say anything. You know, he, he could he could tweet something angry at me later, but he can't say anything right now. All right. So our bold predictions, JB. I, how about how do I, how about if I start off with one that I missed on? Okay. Uh, I said that Josh Allen, who was being drafted, I think his ADP was around seventh uh, quarterback off the board or anything, uh, kind of being drafted as somebody's qu uh, quarterback number one. And I said that Drew Brees, Matthew Stafford, and Matt Ryan were all going to be higher than him. I, I, I was wrong on that at all. You know, he is the number two fantasy quarterbacks, and in, in, depending on your scoring system, of course, uh, but just regular old PPR leagues, he is number two behind uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yep, yep, I saw that too, and... And look, I, I can understand Breeze had health concerns, so, mm -hmm. you know, you kind of got to take that as it is. But coming into the season, you look at Breeze, Stafford, and Ryan, and you look at them as guys who are going to be in a high-passing volume offense. So you figure the stats for fantasy football are going to come along with that. We didn't know what we were getting from Allen. We didn't know how he was going to connect with Diggs. We heard all the reports that he was going to run less this year. So now you're thinking, uh-oh, we're losing the rushing touchdown upside. So I don't fault you for thinking that he would fall behind those guys. But, man, we got to tip our hat to Josh Allen and what okay. he's done this year. He's, he's you know, if it, if it wasn't, I would, I would put him third in my MVP voting. 
No, yes, I I do not, don't deny that at all. I, I think that that's a good call. Uh, didn't it pre- I didn't think that he would take as big of a step forward as he did. His completion percentage has increased, of course. Maybe Stephon Diggs has had a lot to do with that. Cole Beasley connection has also had a lot to do with that. Uh, they definitely were putting all the weight on his shoulders again this year, and Josh Allen has really come through. Uh, if he continues to progress that way, I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes is going to have the Josh Allen bus right behind him honking saying, let me buy you. Let me buy you. You know, that, I just think that he's going to, he's doing really good. All right. On saying, staying with the Buffalo Bills, you said that Moss, the rookie was going to end up outscoring Devin Singletary this year. And you did not get that one right. We are not plugged into our Buffalo Bill program at all. Singletary ended up finishing with 122 fantasy points in PPR scoring. And uh, Moss ended up with 92. Now that could change this week. I mean, he, he could have a 30 point outburst and maybe you'll be right, JB. But how about for, for argument's sake, we'll just say that that didn't happen. Yeah. And, and it was pretty close between the two. And I honestly thought that Moss would be the featured back. Um, and, and honestly, I think he was. You know, if you look at the snap share and you look at the percentage that they played um, when they were both on the field, Moss was the lead back. The right. problem was Moss missed three or four games early in the season. I think week three he got hurt, so he was out until like week seven or something like that. So it let Singletary kind of build up stats there. I do stick to my story that it would have been Moss outscoring Singletary had they both been healthy all year. I think Moss is the better back, and I think we'll see that next year. I'll make the same prediction next year. And, and you know, Singletary just played more games. And during that time, I'm looking at it right now. So week three and week four, Moss missed weeks three through six. Week three and week four, Singletary put up 16 and 19. So, I so mean, that's that, right there. Yeah, yeah, that that was a difference maker. So, I mean, yeah, I think, I think Moss I had a, still think Moss the better back. I think Moss had a fumble or two uh, uh, along the way as well, and I think one game that made him get regulated to the sidelines as well and made him sit down, which is good for a rookie to do to kind of give him that taste of I need to be more careful with the ball. Uh, part of the rookie growing pains, I think. Uh, for me, next year, I'll probably end up staying away from that Buffalo backfield as long as Jared uh, Josh Allen is back there. It's going to be his backfield. It's going to be his uh, right arm that leads him to a playoff. And I just can't see either running back being more than a flex option, you know, at, at best, at best. Yeah, right, so, I agree. Uh, I, let me see if I got this one wrong. I, I, how about if I get a right one for me? All right. I said that CEH, who is being drafted, um, at, uh, you know, he, he shot up the draft ranks, right? He shot up the, being drafted in the first round in a lot of leagues that I was in. Uh, was going to end up being a draft day bust because he wasn't going to give you that number one pick value uh, that I thought he was going to that that some people thought he was going to get, and he finished 18th among running backs. JB, D- did I get that right? Did I get that one right? Yeah, I marked that as a win for you because okay. it was just that he wouldn't return his first round value, and he certainly didn't. You know, and we even talked about it on that episode that. Had it been earlier in the year when he was going in the fifth or the sixth round, you wouldn't make that prediction as him being a bust, which where he finished was a, you know, fifth, sixth round pick. Sure, I'll take that finish from him as a fifth or sixth round pick. But your statement was that he was being drafted in the first round. And I even mentioned on there that we were seeing him getting drafted in, in front of Derrick Henry, in <laughs> front of Dalvin Cook, you know, and and. To that point, Wes, you are absolutely right. That's that's a bust and a half, if you ask me. People were people were picking him fourth overall, fifth overall, and he certainly did not return that value. I think next year that that's still going to be a crowded backfield. I'm not sure what Le'Veon Bell's contract situation is, but who is it? D- Damian Williams, if he comes back. Yeah. Uh, after a year off, even I don't know what that's going to do to him. I don't know what that's going to do to Ceh. I didn't expect him to take Ceh where they did in the draft. Who knows? They might draft another running back next year. I'm I'm not sure what's going on, but I think that's a three-headed fantasy monster that they have between Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. And I, I, I it's going to be hard for me to put any weight, real weight, into any of those other backs in the backfield. 
Yep, I'm interested to see what they do in the offseason. That'll be big to see what they do. Um, I think that if it's not a crowded backfield, then I would be interested in him because now the hype has died down. So he'll fall down a little bit, and you'll be able to draft him in the third round. And if you're getting the main running back in a Kansas City offense in the third round, then, yeah, I'll take a shot at it. So I'm interested to see what they do in the offseason. I'm going to put this one here, and I can't count this against you because this was really injury ways. You said Barkley was going to finish as a number one running back this year. I'm not going to say he didn't, he wasn't, he couldn't. Who knows? He got injured far too early in the season, so I won't count that necessarily against you. I think you got to take injuries out of bold predictions. But uh, let me ask you this. Let's see if you get this right. Tell me the top five running backs in the league this year from a fantasy standpoint in PPR leagues. Alvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick yep. Henry. Yep. That's three. That's the top three. Kamara, Cooks, Henry in that order. You have two more answers on the board, JB. James Robinson. James Robinson is number four. Think about that. Uh, you know, who's doing circles of joy right now is our buddy Kevin Tompkins uh, doing circles of joy from uh, the zero RB perspective. There's Robinson just sitting there and nobody drafted him. And he's he's was available on the waiver wires, the best waiver wire pickup probably amongst uh, many teams this year. Absolutely. And he was a week one, week two waiver pickup for a lot of people. And he saved a lot of people's seasons because people who lost Saquon or lost the MC supplemented that by picking up James Robinson in week one or week two. So a lot of people, you know, once they lost Saquon, were able to pick up Robinson and that worked out perfectly for Re- him. Remember, it was Fournette. It was going to be Fournette there in the backfield. Yep. And then yep. when they released Fournette, all of a sudden, it was going to be uh, whoever my guy was. Who I, I was drafting Divine him. Divine Ozigbo. <laughs> Is that what his name was? Ozigbo? Yeah, there was Daria Gumbawale and yeah. Divine Ozigbo were the two that everyone was saying was going to take over the backfield. There was no conversation about James Robinson. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, bam, he pops up. Okay, so you got four. You got one more left. And and this name, do do not cheat. I'm going to uh, just one strike. If you get it wrong, I'll give it to you. Is it your boy, Mandatory Montgomery? No, it's not. He finished number six, actually. Oh, I was going to say, he's had a great second half. I thought that he might have snuck in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you go ahead. Um, I'll let you get You got yeah, yeah, Go ahead. One X. Go ahead. Uh, did Taylor get in there? He's had Taylor a nice... did not. Two X's are on the board. I don't know, because Chubb was hurt, so it's not Chubb. Now, now see, now I'm doubting myself, so I'm going to have to go back and look to see if I was right. i got to mash some buttons on I'm my phone. I'm trying to think who stayed healthy all year. That's really what it's going to come... Josh, no, maybe Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is number five. At least that's who I have as my fifth, unless I read it wrong. But Aaron yeah, Jones. he stayed healthy. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, you, you didn't hear a lot about him. And I think he had some big games, and that's why. And really, he kind of disappeared. And even from a fantasy standpoint last week, it almost looked like he was being replaced. And I know he got a little bit banged up last week in the game. But, man, uh, Dylan sure did come in and make a big impact last week. Yeah, and that's a backfield that I'm I'm interested to see what they do next year because Jones is a free agent and Williams is a free agent. I think they try to re-sign Williams on the cheap, but I don't think they'll be able to re-sign Jones. So I think they're going to try to thunder and lightning with Dylan and Williams next year if they could re-sign Williams. And I'll put this on record right now. I would love to see Aaron Jones as the Arizona Cardinals running back next year. Ooh, I thought you were going to go Tampa Bay Buccaneers for sure. But I, I know that uh, Ronald Jones, oh, uh, double Jones. Ooh, <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, Aaron Jones did. So he was surprising. He was the most surprising one, even more so than Robinson. Out of the bunch, looking back at 2020, I think at the beginning of 2020, Robinson would have been the absolute, uh, 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 can't, cannot believe somebody like him ended up in the top five. And you know what else, too? Jones was going like, Middle second round, late second round, somewhere in there. You know, I, yep. I know he was. Yeah, so that was that was very strange. Okay, so I'm not going to count that one against you. Let's revisit another one of yours here. I'm. I'm uh, how about this one? The wide receivers, JB. You said that there was going to end up being two sophomore wide receivers that were going to finish in the top 15, and you gave John Brown and DK Metcalf. You were right on the DK Metcalf take. He finished fifth among wide receivers this season, which is really good for him. Uh, I don't know what's happened to that Seattle offense in the second half of the year, but he sure was tearing everything up at the first half. 
Yeah, and Hollywood Brown was the other one that I said who's looked a little better of late, but man, he he really busted that whole beginning of the season, and that's kind of what put him back in the pack. Now, look, he wasn't a complete bust with what he's been doing. I I have him as uh, wide receiver 37 from what I was counting in a PPR league. So, yeah, he definitely was in the top 15, so I missed on that one. But, man, DK Metcalf, what a stud he is. And, yeah, they, that offense has stumbled a little bit, but he's a, a sure shot, double-digit point scorer every single week, and I think he's only going to get better. So, you know, if he finished as wide receiver five or, or wide receiver six, something like that. So I, I'm super pumped about that call. I wish I had him more places. Like, I had him in a lot of places because I was – very high on him. I wrote a Rasbol article about him before the season started. Um, so I was very high on him. I just, I wish I had him everywhere. I also remember saying, and I wrote it down here, I, I said that Metcalf would have a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. So he has almost 1,300 yards. So I, I nailed that. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. has exactly 10 touchdowns. Hey. So look at that. That's good. And, and there's still one game to go. All right. So, yep. <laughs> all right. And I, sticking with the Seattle theme, I said that Carlos Hyde was going to overtake Chris Carson as the number one running back in Seattle. Uh, the fumbling issues going into the season that Car- that Carson had had, I was completely wrong on that. Listen, Chris Carson ended up 16th in PPR scoring this year. And Carlos Hyde only finished with 80 points. So, I mean, he was way down on the list. I was completely wrong. I don't care about injuries or anything. That was Chris Carson's backfield and it will remain that way unless they get somebody else. I, they, they love Chris Carson there. And I do too. And, and we kind of had that debate in September when you made that call. And that's what a bold prediction is. I mean, look, it's not a bold prediction is not meant to be, oh, Chris Carson's going to be the lead back in Seattle. <laughs> Obviously, Chris Carson's going to be the lead back in Seattle. Like, you made a bold prediction that Carlos Hyde would take over. We knew Carson has had fumbling issues in the past. So, you know, it wasn't a, a, a terrible call by you. It just ended up playing out that it was Carson's backfield and he didn't lose the hold on it. No, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I I said uh, Blake Jarwin was going to end up being like a second tiered a tight end, not quite the first tier, but a second tier tight end. He got injured, uh, but that that writing was all over the wall uh, this year. I think in in Dallas with that high powered offense. And you said that Gallup was going to overtake Cooper as the number one wide receiver in the Dallas Cowboys system, and you were wrong on that. But once again, I think injuries had a lot to do with that because when Dak went down, it caused just a whole kind of chaos there between all the different quarterbacks that they had in the system. Really kind of interesting when you look at that breakdown, though. They All three, all three wide receivers were very much still fantasy relevant, it seems like, for fantasy owners this year. Cooper ended up with fifth, at the 15th position, and actually C.D. Lamb ended up at the 16th position, wide receivers for PPR leagues. And Gallup, uh, but, well, let's see, Cooper had 183 points, Lamb had 173, and Gallup finished with, with 136. But it's been coming on at the end of the year with like, kind of a little flurry. Yeah, and I, I have different numbers, so I guess we're looking at different scoring. But I have Cooper outscoring Gallup by about 60 points. Um, and Gallup has been coming on of late. In fact, Gallup is one of my sexy flexies this week in my Rasbol article that came out because he has scored four touchdowns in the last four games. He has looked to be a favorite of Andy Dalton coming down the stretch here. And they have a matchup with the Giants, which we'll talk about in a little while later, where Amari Cooper is going to be seeing James Bradbury leaving Gallup on the other side. So I do think that Gallup closes that gap this week by having another big game. But yeah, I think I missed on that one. He's not going to outscore Cooper, but it was, it was pretty close. Yeah. And and all three fantasy relevant, I think next year, and I don't know when Dak's going to end up being back, but even if uh, it's not Dak and it ends up being the red rifle still, um, I think that all three of them can be draftable. Absolutely. There's enough volume in that offense. And that was what I wrote in in the article I wrote about Gallup before the season started. Um, But Wes, you skipped over one of your hits when we were talking about Metcalf. You piggybacked my Metcalf and Brown in the top 15 prediction by saying that your prediction was that Metcalf gets into that second tier of wide receivers. You know, right below that Adams and and Thomas tier of wide receivers. You said that Metcalf would get into that second tier. And 
I, I think you hit that plus. I mean, you get an A plus on that one because I think he's lifted into the top tier of wide receivers. So. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He's going to be one of those top receivers off the board, and I think it was the dropsies. I think he, you know, maybe softer hands. I don't know what he did to work on that. Maybe he was catching raw eggs. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe they were playing a little egg toss game there in Seattle or something to be able to soften up the hands. Uh, but he definitely was able to do that. But man, he he is so strong. He is so strong. You ended up whiffing on one, and I'm going to give you a pass. Because I can't look. You had high hopes. You had high expectations for Tom Brady, and it was a COVID year. Going into it, not being able to gel with people, uh, picking up people off the streets and everything like that to be able to play. Uh, he finished with 36 touchdown passes so far. You predicted he would get to 50, and that just didn't happen. Well, I predicted that he would have 50 total touchdowns, and he's at oh. 39 right now with his three <laughs> rushing touchdowns. What a Sunday that's going to be. Everybody start Tom Brady at DFS. <laughs> he's not going to get to 50, but that being said, I mean, I, I think that obviously it was a it was a bit of a homerism pick, and, and I even said that when I, when I made the prediction. But, I mean, coming in, like you said, in a COVID offseason – Coming in and and having 36 passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns in a new offense. I mean, I'm I'm happy with what we got out of him there. And you know, I, yes, I missed on the prediction, but hey, I'll take you know if he throws a couple this week, I'll take 42 and and miss by eight. You know what I think has happened to Tom Brady is I I have this vision of him in my head playing with the New England Patriots. And it, it's not the same in Tampa Bay right now. I don't know that it'll ever be the same. He looks like an ordinary quarterback. He doesn't look like Tom Brady. You know what I mean? It, it, so it just looks different to me. And, and maybe I am feeling wrong about that. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at it differently than what I should be. But I, I'm not sure, JB, if he can ever hold up the Lombardi trophy in Tampa Bay. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know what? I, I understand why you would say that. And he has looked in some games to not be that elite Tom Brady that we're so used to. But when you talk about his 36 touchdown passes, that's only behind Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes. He's fourth in the league in passing touchdowns. So Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes are the two guys that are fighting for MVP. Russell Wilson was in that conversation most of the year. Tom Brady, as you're talking about, a lot of people are saying, oh, he's not the same. Oh, what a what a letdown season from Tom Brady. But he threw more touchdown passes than Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins, Tannehill, Watson, Herbert, Kyla Murray. He's fourth in the league in touchdown passes, so he could still get the job done. He's a professional quarterback. The Bucks won a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. You know what I mean? The, the Ravens won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. So if we have a less than peak Tom Brady, but still a good Tom Brady, Buccaneers can certainly win the Super Bowl this year, next year, you know, it, it, with this Tom Brady. I certainly believe that. What I hope they don't fall into is the trap of leaning on Tom Brady. Because they need to lean on that run game. They need to lean on that defense. They need to allow him to manage a game a little bit more. Where I think, in my mind, the way I see Tom Brady, he can win any game that he's in as long as he's touching the ball the last two or three possessions of a game. Right? And and and, and he, can, he can bring them back no matter what. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I hope they allow him to become a game manager instead of putting the pressure completely on his shoulders at some point in Tampa Bay. Because I root for those OGs under under center. I root for those. I root for all those guys who have been in the league for a long time and who are still grinding, being able to get the job done. Because, JB, I'm turning into an OG myself. <laughs> yeah, and you're absolutely right, Wes. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, they need to rely on the defense, on the running game, and let Brady make the clutch passes and not just completely rely on him. You're absolutely yeah. right, and that that's a winning formula. 
And speaking of a winning formula, our last bold prediction here on the Fantasy Magnet podcast was me predicting that Mike Evans was going to be the wide receiver one in Tampa Bay and not Chris Godwin. It was kind of going hand in hand, but I heard a lot more buzz about Chris Godwin being the number one receiver there in Tampa Bay. And to me, all the stats in uh, previous years showed that Mike Evans was the alpha dog in that locker room, in that wide receiver core. And I thought it was going to be so easy for Tom Brady just to be able to chuck it up to him whenever he needed to. And and I think that that kind of proved true this year, JB. Absolutely. And when you made that bold prediction, I told you that as a Bucks fan, I've been fighting the fight for years that Mike Evans is in that second tier of wide receivers. And I've been fighting, you know, obviously living in New York as a Bucks fan when Odell Beckham was a giant. And he, he became, you know, Jesus Christ when, when he caught a ball with one hand. And everybody in New York anointed this guy the best football player in the world because he caught a pass with one hand. And he's the best wide receiver ever. And I'm like, dude, Mike Evans is such a better wide receiver than him. Mike Evans is going to have such a better career than him. Mike Evans is such a more well-rounded receiver than him. And I've had this argument for years and years So I was with you when you made that prediction. As much as I love Godwin, the hype that we saw during draft season was because Godwin runs a lot of routes out of the slot. So Tom Brady coming in, oh, he loved Julian Edelman, so he's going to love Chris Godwin. But he also never had a big-time receiver on the outside like Mike Evans, except for when he had Randy Moss, who he hit a lot when he had Randy Moss. So I had, you nailed that one on the head, Wes, and it was a great prediction. And Mike Evans, I think, outscored Godwin by like 80 points in a PPR. So you nailed that one. Well, I wish I would have listened to myself. I had no shares of Mike Evans. I didn't have any shares of Godwin either. I, I think I ended up taking Metcalf right around that same time frame in a <laughs> lot of different places. So I won on that one. All right, JB, looking back well, at things, that, that looked really good. Yeah, and before you move forward on that, I had a bonus one that I listened to in our intro when we were talking about the breaking news that was going on at the time. I said, yeah, if I was going to have a six-bold prediction, it would be that Mitch Trubisky starts and ends the year as the Bears quarterback. (laughs) I also mentioned in there that he would probably lose the job to Foles at some point. Foles would underperform, and Mitch would get the job back at the end of the season so the Bears could see what they have in him. I said that in the intro at like the 15-minute mark or something like that, and I'm like, I'm writing this down because I didn't really nail my bold predictions, but I nailed my bonus one on the nose. <laughs> I, I am trying to think, too. I thought about this earlier as I was thinking about looking back at 2020. Is Mitch Trubisky the only quarterback in the league that's undefeated right now? Has, no, has he lost that. a game? Have they lost? What, how big of a winning streak are they on? I'm telling you, I have to separate myself sometimes from the Bears season. And this is one of those years that I've had to separate myself because I don't want to be a jerk walking around my house, growling at the girls and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I keep my eye on it and I watch a lot of football, but I just, I try to, I try to separate myself. Trust me when I say, I can if things aren't going my way, I could be a real jerk. But let, let's see. Oh, no, 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 no. They lost a couple of games there against Green Bay, against Detroit, and he had some fantasy points there. So, no, I'm completely wrong on that. Okay. All <laughs> that right, would thankful. have been some. I think thankful. we would have heard more of that if that was the case. Well, you never know. We break news here on the Fantasy Man. Even if we have to make it up, we break news. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, remind everybody, I don't think I even told everybody where they could find you on Twitter, JB, at Fantasy Coach JB on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Loafinit. Don't forget to follow the show, at FI Today with a little underscore. And right there, you can find all the co-hosts that are listed or that, that end up being on the podcast at different times throughout the year. We put them, I put them all there for us. And we also have those fit picks there. And I think there's a, uh, I, I don't know, controversy of whether or not we're going to have a fit pick week 17 I've, I've debated on that myself, JP, whether or not we should have it. Um, the holiday season's really had everybody. I don't think I got everybody's picks in until like Sunday at 12.05 or something like that. It was <laughs> it was really strange. But then I thought, man, week 17, that's just a hard one to win and break a, a championship on. Uh, what do you think? What's your thoughts on week 17? I think that they're playing the games. We should pick them. You know, I think that people are still making their wagers or or whatever they're using our picks for for their work pools i know my wife's work pool goes through week 17 so 
I think we should put him out there, help the people. I think we have a tie between Johnny Fro and and, uh, and Bobby, Bobby, so I, mm-hmm. I think they need to break that tie or at least have the opportunity to break that tie. So I, I'm, my vote is four, counting Week 17, and I already tweeted you my picks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know. I saw that. Uh, on some sheet of paper, too. I'm not even going to bring up that sheet of paper because I don't know where that sheet of paper it goes to. And it's my wife's who, pick em pool, so I just I, mark it off and send it back to her. Listen, <laughs> if, if you're from the IRS and you heard that, there's nothing there whatsoever. They play for peanuts and uh, candy corn is all they play <laughs> for. Hey, Johnny, I think, is on a 68% winning clip, and so is Bobby. And we're not very far behind. I think we're at 62 or something like that. We're somewhere in that neighborhood. That, is that is that pretty good? Because I I don't I don't pick every single game every single year. Yeah, I mean I I think that would be pretty good. I mean if you think about it, is that's near seventy percent of of picking winners. So I mean that that sounds pretty good to me, man. Yeah, me too. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right. So that was looking back uh, at 2020, and and uh, don't forget to look over at Anchor FM. You can look back there to find all the past podcasts that we've had here on the Fantasy Magnet Podcast, uh, Fantasy Magnet Podcast on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. We're still going to talk about many, many things in the off season. I hope JB as we get together and move forward into the year 2021. But uh, you, you rounded up some of our our bold predictions of who would make the playoffs, and we're going to tie that all together with the teams that are playing this week that have fantasy relevance anyway i suppose yeah and and we did playoff predictions in that same episode that we did our bowl predictions and what we did was we laid out the nfc and the afc we laid out who would win the divisions who the wild card teams would be and then we laid out our nfc championship our afc championship and the and the super bowl so in the nfc we were pretty good with our division winners, Wes. We all, we both, first of all, in the NFC, we we had the same seven teams making the playoffs. So we had the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Packers winning their divisions. All of them have won their divisions. Hey. We had the Cowboys as the NFC East winner. Obviously, we didn't know Dak was going to go down. But the Cowboys still have a chance to be the NFC East winner. So we could go four for four on our division winners. Okay, I'll take that. Our wild card teams, we said the Bucks would be one of them, and they are. So we nailed that one. Mm-hmm. But then we said the 49ers and the Lions. We were way off on the Lions. The Lions <laughs> are just bad. And the 49ers had more injuries than I remember any team having, significant injuries than I can remember in, in a long time of any team having. So, you know, the 49ers were a Super Bowl contender. And they just got decimated with injuries. So I can't really fault us for putting them in there as a wild card team. But yeah, those were the two we missed with the Niners and the Lions and, and maybe the NFC East champion. We'll talk about that in a little while. Well, I, I, look, I, I'm not going to pick my Bears. OK, that's just not what I'm going to do. I have the Chicago Cubs blood running through me. So I'm always thinking <laughs> of a losing year. And so I'm not going to pick the Chicago Bears uh, with the Detroit Lions. Though looking back at that, I, I just I got to wonder how much the Kenny Galladay Uh, in in the locker room really had an effect on that. I'm not even going to say him being out there on the field, uh, being injured. I I just, I don't know. You know, it it just seems like there was a bad vibe going on there, even with Patricia and everything. And that was a, that was a terrible season for the Detroit Lions, another lost year for them in some regards. And I hope they can get things right moving forward for Matthew Stafford's sake. But from a fantasy standpoint, it sure looks like DeAndre Swift is going to be fantastic next season. Yeah, and they have pieces there. I think that Hawkinson is also going to be a stud. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, if, if Galladay is healthy or if, you know, say they go out and get like a, a free agent, like an Allen Robinson or something like that, then, you know, who knows what that team could be. They really need some help on the defensive side of the ball, obviously. Yeah. That defense has been atrocious. But there's definitely pieces in place. Like you said, Swift is is a future superstar in this league. So they have some pieces in place that they can make this a quick turnaround. So we whiffed on that one. But, hey, you know, they might be back. So our <laughs> NFC Championship predictions, I had Saints versus Bucks. You had Dallas versus San Francisco. Um, You had Dallas winning that, so at least you might get your Super Bowl. You have a slim outside chance of getting your Super Bowl winner there. Um, And as a homer, I picked the Bucs to to go to the Super Bowl. No, that's surprising, JB. (laughs) The AFC, we were a little off. And and I guess 
listening back to it, I was a little confused. You didn't give us your division winners, but you did say that you would have Baltimore as the one seed and that they would only lose one game. Yes. Um, you thought that KC would lose two or three, so Baltimore would kind of slide ahead of them there. Um, I had So you just listed out you had Baltimore, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Houston as playoff teams. Well, I, so, I think during that time, th- that's when things were moving really fast for me. And then I, I looked at the screen trying to figure out how I was going to do this. You know, f- f- and they, they had new uh, football <laughs> leagues in there. They had new playoff brackets in there. And yep, then they've even yep. added another playoff team during the year. So, look, that's not my fault. Okay, I just said, okay, forget it. I'm not even going to try to fill it out. Here's my team, JB. Here they are. <laughs> But think about it, Wes, even as scrambled as you might have been, and you only gave me six teams and not seven, but out of those six, five of them are playoff teams, or at least potential playoff teams pending the results of this week. Tennessee's in, most likely. Pittsburgh's in. Kansas City's in. Buffalo's in. Baltimore will probably be in. So the only one you missed was Houston. So that was pretty good, especially, like you said, being on the fly like that, so... Yeah, and and look, I got You got to give you and me a break here if we got any of them wrong, because the NFL even added another playoff team during the year. How, yep. how often do you hear something like that? I, I, that's crazy in hindsight. Whenever you think about how flexible everybody had to be this past year, I guess altogether, not even in football, but just altogether and all the way around the NFL, who is very stringent on everything that they do. Right. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we couldn't even get them to flex a game. Sometimes we were stuck with terrible <laughs> games on Monday night or Sunday night for years. And we had to beg them to flex that thing out of there or flex it. They finally did. We were all like, hurrah. And now this year they're just like, you know what? Let's just put another playoff team in there. Let's just change the rules halfway through the year. Yeah, and I got to give them a lot of credit because, you know, if you would have asked me months ago, you know, would have asked me back in March, I would have said there's no way we're getting a 17-week NFL season in, like, normal. No, you know, okay. if you think about it, the NCAA tournament got canceled, NBA and NHL went into bubbles. There's no way we're getting a full NFL season in. So you got to give the league some credit. As much as people want to want to hate on the league and the commissioner, you know, they did a really good job making this happen. There was some moments of, of that scared us. There was some moments that made us wonder what was going to happen. But I think all in all, they handled it well, and they got us a full football season. So we have to be happy with that. We do. And this week it sounds a little bit scary in and of itself as I keep reading more and more news this week coming out. But anyway, keep keep reflecting, JB. Yeah, and I'll run through this quick because we got to look at the games that are coming up. My AFC division winners, I had Kansas City as the one seed, which I think which I got. I had Buffalo win in the East. Then I had Baltimore and Indy winning their divisions with the wild cards being Tennessee, Houston, and Cleveland. So I was really low on Pittsburgh. Um, I guess I didn't look at how easy their first half of the season schedule was. Um, But I have Cleveland. I have Tennessee. So really, I missed on Houston. And that might be it because Indy still has a chance to make the playoffs. So it might just be the Houston miss, which will, you know, just be one out of seven of the playoff teams. Um, I had Kansas City versus Indy as my AFC championship. You had Baltimore against Kansas City. And we both had Kansas City going to the Super Bowl. And we both had Kansas City winning the Super Bowl. So they look like a team that can do that. I think one of our biggest predictions before the year, and I, I'm not even going to say that was really bold, uh, but we both had Kansas, uh, we both had New England missing out on the playoffs, which was the yeah. first time that was going to happen. And I think we read the tea leaves on the wall there. And I, I even made the comment, I believe, in that bold prediction podcast that there was just going to be a lot of three and outs by the New England Patriots. And I didn't understand how they were going to move the ball down the field. And I think we saw them with plenty of struggles like that this season. Absolutely. They were a really boring team to watch. Um, (laughs) And I talk about it with Coop all the time. Coop's a Patriot fan, and it's like they just drag a game out, and and it's just a boring brand of football. Cam Newton looks like he can't move his arm. Like, I feel like sometimes I could throw the ball further than Cam Newton can (laughs) at this point. Like, he looks like he can't move his shoulder when he tries to hit a guy, you know, 15 yards down the field. So 
Uh, it's just been an ugly season for them. And you're right. We both, and we even made mention of it after our predictions that both of us had New England missing the playoffs, and they sure did. So we're pretty good on our playoff predictions, Wes. We got a lot of the playoff teams in there, right? And we'll see how it plays out now. Yeah, we sure will. Now, let's look ahead to week 17. I know you've mapped this out for us as well. So walk us through week 17 of some of these games that are, are kind of uh, prudent to give uh, fantasy football, but also to these playoff pitchers that we talked about. Yeah, there's a lot of games with playoff implications this week, and it makes it for an exciting week 17. Um, in the AFC, the AFC South is up for grabs. Tennessee is in the driver's seat, but mm-hmm. they can win it, and Indy can win it. If the Titans beat the Texans, so the Titans are at Houston, if they win, they win the South. If they lose, it puts them in that wild card tiebreaker scenario grouping of teams. Right. The Colts are playing the Jaguars. They're at home, so you would think that they should win that game. A Colts win and a Titans loss, the Colts win the division. If the Titans win the division, a Colts win could get them in the playoffs, but they'll need a loss by either Baltimore, Miami, or Cleveland. So see, that's why I, I, see, you know how my brain works, and you know I'm sitting here right now, and I'm just looking at the stars, going, I don't, I don't know what he just said. Yeah, you know, I just can't. <laughs> I, I, I heard you though. You're doing, a, you're doing a great job at that. I was actually getting distracted by wondering whether or not Deshaun Watson was going to be able to play in that game, and he will play Week 17 versus the Titans. So uh, we can look at Deshaun Watson as firing him up. Pee Wee talked to and put him in his DFS lineup this week on the on the what DFS Dreamer podcast that him and I do. So Deshaun Watson will play against those Titans to make things a little bit more difficult for Tennessee. And I think, J.B., uh, if I'm not mistaken, J.J. Watt had a big thing, a big to-do about the Houston Texans, and and they might come out a little bit fired up and give a little surprise punch to the Titans. Yeah, and you know what? If I was the Titans, I wouldn't want to be facing this Texans team because they have weapons like Watson and Watt and and cooks that can come out there and, and win this game and play spoiler. Like if you think about like these teams that have playoff implications, like the Colts get the Jaguars, the Ravens get the Bengals, you know what I mean? Like the Titans get the Texans who is a division rival who's coming out fired up, looking to play spoiler. Now that being said, I think this could be a shootout. I think that the Titans have a weak secondary, so Pee Wee is right in the fact that Watson, if he's healthy, will be a viable DFS option because he can put up points against that Titans secondary. But I don't think the Texans will be able to stop the Titans either. I think Derrick Henry coming off a down game is going to completely go off. He's going to run for over 150 yards, at least one, probably two touchdowns. And at the same time, I think Tannehill going against this Texan secondary is going to pick them apart. I mean, you got A.J. Brown and Corey Davis going against Vernon Hargraves and company. So I think that, you know, the Titans can score four or five touchdowns this game, and I I think they will end up winning this game and winning the South. What do you think? No, I, I could see that as well. Uh, it's going to be hard to stop that team out. I, I just don't know that that the Texans can score that many points against the Titans, but I do not see the Titans having a Cinderella run in the playoffs like they did last year. That team's just been so up and down, inconsistent from a, a defensive standpoint more than anything else, which really, if they get behind in a ball game, really gets them out of their game flow. Uh, if they play from ahead, it, they can they can win any game because they have Derrick Henry. But if they have to come back from behind, it just doesn't seem like they have that firepower anymore. So I could see them taking an early bow out in the playoffs. Absolutely. That defense has struggled, and that'll, that'll end up coming back to hurt them in the playoffs. So let's say that they do win this game. They win the AFC South. You got the Colts playing at home against the Jaguars. Now, like I said, the Colts need to win this game and have help from some of the other teams we're going to talk about right after. I do think the Colts are able to beat the Jaguars. James Robinson, who we talked about earlier, will not play in this game. I don't even know who the Jaguars quarterback's going to be, but it's not really going to matter because we know it's going to be Trevor Lawrence next year. So, you know, the the Jaguars aren't trying to win a game. Um, I think, look, it's a divisional game. They might come out and play hard, but I don't think they're trying to win. The Colts are playing motivated. I think Jonathan Taylor will be able to run all over Jacksonville. I think he scores once, maybe twice. Um, I think Phillip Rivers will get enough done 
against the Jaguars secondary that's pretty poor. So I know a T.Y. Hilton could be in play this week for DFS. So I think the Colts do come out and win this game and and kind of put themselves in the position. All right, we did our part. Now we got to hope on the rest of them. Yeah, they'll be watching the big screen there in in, (laughs) Indianapolis. They'll just be staring up at the screen. Who has to lose in order for them to get in? So they need a loss by one of either Baltimore, Miami, or Cleveland. So Baltimore is at Cincinnati. Obviously, we know Cincinnati, no Joe Burrow. They're a little bit of a mess. I think the Ravens win this game. If the Ravens win, they're in. So I think Lamar Jackson's a great play this week. I think Mark Andrews is a great play this week because the Bengals are terrible against the tight end. So I'm paying up in DFS, and I'm going to play Mark Andrews as my tight end. I normally pay down at tight end. I'm usually a bargain bin tight end guy. But I'm paying up for Andrews this week because I think that Lamar will connect with him at least twice for two touchdowns this week. Um, could get a Holly, Hollywood Brown touchdown or a Dez touchdown or something like that. But I do think the Ravens coming out here, fired up to get a spot in the playoffs. And I think the Ravens can be a, a pretty tough out in the playoffs. I don't think any of these playoff teams want to see them when they make it. But I do think that they score a lot of points this week and their defense shows up to shut down Cincinnati and they get the win this week to move on to the playoffs. Okay. Well, that, that does that decide it then? Because I, I can't see the Ravens losing at all. Will any of those other teams, do the Dolphins need a Ravens loss as well? Well, here's the thing. The, the Browns, if the Browns win, they're in and they play Pittsburgh who's already said they're going to rest Big Ben and start Mason Rudolph this week. So I think that the Browns, who are now 10-point favorites for the first time since like 1970-something, wow. or even before that, I don't, know, I don't know the exact stat, but they haven't been double-digit favorites in like forever. So I think the Browns are going to be able to come out. They're going to get their wide receivers back off that COVID contact list. So I think the Browns are going to come out and win this game against Pittsburgh's backup. And I think it's going to come down to the Dolphins. The Dolphins play the Bills. If the Dolphins win, they're in. But there's no word on if Buffalo is going to rest starters or not. Buffalo may be playing for that two seed. So that way they'll have home field advantage so long as they don't play Kansas City. So I think that's the one it's going to come down to. I think the Ravens win. I think the Browns win. And the Colts win. But the Colts are going to need the Dolphins to lose for them to get in. I think it's going to come down to either Colts or Dolphins, and it's going to come down to if the Bills rest their starters or not. Well, uh, every report that I've seen and that I've read uh, has the Bills resting their starters. And I, I, if that's the case, then I, uh, I'm still dizzy on what's going to end up happening. I don't know. Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> tested positive for Week 17. Uh, Two is not deemed close contact as of now with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I guess it's all clear. Surely they can't let Week 17 come down to you know just Tua being in close contact with Fitz. I don't. I don't know what's going on. You know, I got the good conspiracy theories going around in my head. So I'm I'm looking at this <laughs> going. All right, I know this isn't real. All right. Yep, so there's a lot going on in the AFC. In the NFC, there's a lot of things still wide open, too. New Orleans, Green Bay, and Seattle all have a shot at the bye. And it's like a weird little round-robin thing. Like, New Orleans gets it if one team wins and one team loses. Green Bay gets it if one team wins and one team loses. Like, it's not just a straight if one of them wins, they they got it. Like, it it all comes down to all three of them. So I'm not even going to go through all those scenarios. But they're all going to be playing for something. So New Orleans, Green Bay, Seattle, they're not going to rest people. They're going to come out there. They're going to play because they want that buy. There's only one buy this this year, so they're going to want it. The NFC East is completely up for grabs. We've talked about what what a roller coaster that division has been all year. If Washington beats Philly, they're in. If they lose, the winner of the Cowboys-Giants game wins the division. Now, the fun part about that is that Washington and Philly are Sunday night football. Yes. So Dallas and the Giants are going to play earlier in the day, knowing that whoever wins that game is going to be glued to their TV on Sunday Mm -hmm. night. And how weird is it that Dallas or the Giants is going to be rooting for Philly to win? (laughs) 
you know, I, I, I know we, that was a laughing stock earlier in the season, but it has been a fun storyline to follow is that NFC East. And I don't know if you know this or not, but early on in one of the bold predictions uh, shows that John Priscilla and I had, we looked at win loss totals. And one of my bold predictions was that the value for the Giants winning the Super Bowl as before Saquon Barkley injury, of course, a Daniel Jones injury and, a, and also a Daniel Jones step backwards in his career as a quarterback in the NFL. But I, I said, and I don't remember how much it was, but I thought it was a great value to have a good defense who I thought was a good defense at the time. Um, I thought that it was a great value for, to pick them as a Super Bowl winner because they were almost down at the bottom of the list. You know how I like the bottom feed. And I'm always looking down there trying to find, outsmart the room and everything. And I thought the Giants were a great value. And here, if they win and get a little help, uh, they, they could possibly get into the playoffs and have a magical run like I'm anticipated early in the year. Yeah, I I don't think anybody who wins the NFC East is going to have a magical run because whoever it is that wins the NFC East gets to lose to Tampa the first round of the playoff. <laughs> okay. Touche. You, you, you got me there and you know, I, I'd hate to say, I would, I would rather me be wrong than your team get out of JB. So, <laughs> at least until they play the bears. Yeah. Who may or may not make the playoffs because the NFC wild card is up for ground up for grabs. So we know the bucks are in the bucks are, are in as one of the three wild card teams. The Cardinals, Rams, and Bears are all fighting for the last two spots. Okay. So we have the Packers at the Bears that we talked about. The Packers still have a shot at the bye, like I mentioned. So they'll be playing their guys. They'll be playing a win. The Bears get a wild card spot if they win or if the Cardinals lose. Now, the Cardinals are playing the Rams, but the Rams have no Jared Goff, no Cooper Cup, no Daryl Henderson, and probably no Cam Akers. So I can't see the Rams winning that game with some no-name quarterback and and Malcolm Brown and you know their two half bum tight ends. So right, right. I think the Cardinals come out and win that game. If the Cardinals win, they're in. Now the Rams, if they lose this game to the Cardinals, Chicago needs to lose. If Chicago loses, the Rams get in. So Chicago wins. It'll probably be Chicago and the Cardinals because the Cardinals beat the Rams. Okay. If Chicago loses, then the Cardinals and Rams will both get in. Okay. Well, I. <laughs> oh boy, that's that's really. You know, do you think that the Green Bay Packers look at that and go, okay, if we let the Bears in, we can beat these guys in the playoffs. If we let the Rams in, and you know, if we intentionally lose this game, and and the Rams, we let the Rams in. If we end up playing them in the playoffs, we can beat them, or we don't want to have anything to do with playing that Rams defense. You know, I mean, I just I, I wonder if the Green Bay Packers care about that, or if they just go out and try to win every single game. You know what I mean? And not concern themselves with it, because I know as a fantasy manager, I've done that before in the past. Like, oh, look at these guys matchup. If I let this guy win, he gets in, and he's got terrible matchups the week I'd have to play him in the playoffs. Sometimes I do like to play 4D chess. The only problem is I'm not sure what all the chess pieces are called sometimes jb (laughs) yeah that's an interesting theory wes and i thought about that a little bit too and i think that it would be wise for the packers to let the bears in over the rams because even though the bears defense is is pretty good themselves i think the rams defense is scarier to face in the playoffs sure that being said the packers are still having are still playing for that bye if the packers were not playing for the bye Let's say, you know, New Orleans had another win or Seattle had another win and they had locked up the bye. Then I would think that maybe they would play that 4D chess. But I think the Packers want the bye. I think they want home field advantage throughout. They want to have these, you know, dome teams like New Orleans or warm weather teams like Tampa to come up to Green Bay to play in the playoffs. So I I think I don't know. I I, I almost disagree with you. I almost disagree with you because Aaron Rodgers is an old man, too. Right, he might not want to play in the cold weather at at, at Lambeau Field. He might want to go down to a to a nice warm environment in Tampa Bay, or a nice warm environment in Los Angeles, or he might want to do that in New Orleans as well. So I, I might disagree with you on that one, JB. Did you see the snow game the other day? Rogers <laughs> loves the snow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It has been a great year 
JB, very much so. I have enjoyed getting to do this podcast with you all season long. The Fantasy Magnet podcast has been one of the highlights of my week each and every week. It has been wonderful to do, to watch this thing grow alongside of you and how much work you put invested, uh, put into it, invested into it, not only in this, but in the fantasy football community. The fantasy community is a better place because you're in it, J- Jared Berry. Oh, I appreciate that, West man, and I appreciate you bringing me on the show. You know, I know you and I were in a draft room together, and we were chatting, and we talked a little bit, and it was like, hey, you know, why don't you come on and and you know, we'll talk a little bit on a podcast. And my wife had been telling me to do podcasts for years now because I really don't have anything else to talk about but sports. Like that's like all I really <laughs> want to talk about. Like she'll she'll come home and she'll talk about her job and, and, you know, what the people at work are doing. And honestly, when I come home from work, I don't want to talk about work. I just want to put on ESPN or whatever game is on. And I want to watch sports. I want to talk sports and I text sports with my sports friends. And so she's been encouraging me to do podcasts for a long time. And you gave me that extra push West to actually make it happen. And we turned it into a weekly show. We got listeners that, you know, when we don't put out the show at a certain time, they're texting me, Hey, where's my magnets podcast. I'm, I'm about to drive home. I need to listen to the magnets. You know, we got people wearing magnets, hats, magnets, shirts. I wear my fantasy magnets hat almost every day. And, and the shirt is very comfortable. Again, Viridian global go on and you can get yourself a fantasy magnet shirt. Like, what we've turned this into, Wes, and what we'll continue to turn this into, I mean, we have to thank the fans and, and everybody oh, yeah. who listens to us for their support. But, Wes, man, I, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you you've given this show the push and us turning it into something. I'm, I'm so thankful this has been, like you said, this show, recording the show, has been the highlight of my week. But this show itself has been one of the highlights of, of an otherwise pretty uh, terrible year. So thank you yeah. for that. Hey, man, it's been my pleasure, and I look forward to many more podcasts coming up and bigger things here at the Fantasy Impact Today Network, who you can find over on Twitter, at FI Today with a little underscore. Don't forget to follow my main man, Jared Berry, over on Twitter as well, at Fantasy Coach JB. And uh, you can follow me as well, at Loafinit on Twitter. Don't forget to head over to Anchor FM. You can subscribe to the podcast there. You can hear that uh, show that we talked about, all those bold predictions and other hijinks that we had early on in the year beforehand. I I wanted to go back and revisit some of those jb just to just to hear how far the show has come because i think it's come a long way since those beginning shows and don't forget to buy that viridian global gear to get you a nice comfortable shirt a little fantasy magnet shirt to start the new year off right and we will be talking more about the baby bowl playoff predictions or, or the baby bowl playoff contest that we have coming up here too uh in just a short while you can find more information about that over at my buddy uh, rob norton's twitter handle at norton zero seven two three Thank you, JB. I look forward to talking to you again next week. Go Chicago Bears. Good luck, my brother. You'll need it.